We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. It's a very special episode today. Uh, we'll get to uh, <laughs> talk about a Utah draft player again. Uh, you know, this is going to be the one time that this happens. You know, we get we got Devin Lloyd last year, got to rave about him, and I appreciated that opportunity. This year, we'll get to talk about Dalton Kincaid. So excited to uh, dive into all the tight end madness uh, with my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? New background, looking great. How's it going over there? Not too bad. I have another shelf on the way. So those of you with OCD that are wondering why I only have one on this side and not over here, it's coming. <laughs> it's on the way. Don't worry about it. I'm doing very well. I can't wait to talk about tight ends uh, and see where our list ended up. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Excited to, to uh, dive into this. It's a it's a great draft to need a tight end. I'll say that before we mm-hmm. get started here. Mm-hmm. Um, we did want to, first of all, uh, kind of take a look back like we like we have been doing on on what the Chargers tight end group had, you know, looked like in 2022 and and maybe kind of assess really, really where is the need for tight end with this team. And so we'll get started with that conversation before we do. As always, if you are watching this, make sure to like the video, subscribe. Uh, and if you are listening, please leave us a review or a rating. Uh, all of that really does truly help us continue to grow the show as we approach the start of free agency, like the real nitty gritty of the draft. Uh, obviously, we want you guys to make sure you're not missing any kind of guilty as charged content uh, that's coming down the line. So, um, Tyler, we talked a lot about the tight ends throughout the season. Um, obviously, took a bit of a, a step back for a variety of reasons. 
Um, what's kind of the one area you want to see the Chargers hit on in terms of the tight end group that really needs to improve going forward? Ooh, see, I feel like this kind of gives some things away, but I would love someone who challenges the defense as much as possible. There's a variety of ways we can express that. Of course, we'll talk about it, so I don't want to, you know, give it all away, but I think the Chargers have, now assuming Donald Parham is back, a solid blocker in him. I think Gerald Everett is fine. I think that Trey McKitty maybe can get better. I think you just have some guys that can do some things closer maybe to the line of scrimmage. But what about guys who can do things down the field a bit more? And if you talk about someone like Justin Herbert and what I think they'd like to do with this offense, I want someone who's a bit more dynamic down the field. So that doesn't mean that that's how I ranked these guys. Um, you know, the tight end prospects, I guess for those who are wondering, we don't rank them by their fit with the charges. We just rank them based on you yeah. know, their prospect status and you know, headed to the NFL. But I'm looking for someone who can challenge the defense as much as possible. Yeah, to absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the point about ranking them. You know, we just we rank them, grade them as is, and then we talk about them. You know how they fit with the Chargers. So we'll do this with every single episode, right? You know, we'll rank the running backs, the receivers, the edge rushers, everything. You know, somebody like uh, you know Keon White, edge rusher from Georgia Tech. Maybe he might not be a super clear fit for what the Chargers run on defense. But we'll still talk about him and highlight how he could potentially uh, work out with the Chargers. So we'll do that with the tight ends today for sure. In terms of the review, like I think what was really lost from the 2021 group to 2022, I'm you, you mentioned you know the dynamic ability. I think that also applies to like the, the position group as a whole because Gerald Everett I think is a, is a really fine receiving option. I think you can do a lot of different things with him, and obviously Donald Parham getting hurt did not really help. But, you know, Steven Anderson, they were able to use him in a variety of ways as their third tight end, you know, screens, you know, wheel routes, the leak concept that is so popular, you know, in today's NFL and college football uh, in that same vein. Like they didn't they didn't have Donald Parham. Right. But they didn't have a third guy either that could really be kind of a Swiss army knife to do a lot of everything. And, you know, the games that Donald Parham missed because of his concussion, like Steven Anderson was that guy who really kind of stepped up for them. And, you know, he was he played some fullback for them because Gabe neighbors didn't really pan out like mm -hmm. they didn't really have that third guy who could really kind of do a lot of everything. And I think that was obviously what you're hoping Trey McKitty can be, mm -hmm. but it just didn't work out. So they were they were way too dependent on Gerald Everett being the guy. And I think his role kind of changed throughout the season to not really what they signed him for mm -hmm. because they didn't really have any other options. So. Um, you know, they need to get more dynamic down the field. I think Gerald Everett can help in that regard too, but mm -hmm. they just need more diversity within that tight end room as yeah. well. I think, no, that's a really good call with Steven Anderson, a player that I didn't really know what to make of him heading into the season. Then suddenly mm -hmm. he, I, I, I would have voted him for a pro bowl fullback yeah, because he was excellent for the chargers and whatever it was, I don't know why they didn't feel as comfortable doing that with Xander Horvath. Who they drafted but with steven anderson joel lombardi had a legit plan for him whether it was doing some fun you know tricky things or just being a fullback in general like they were able to use steven anderson consistently i think he had what three four or five different touchdowns on the year some big gains and key moments um he was a really dynamic option for them they just didn't think they had i don't want to say they don't have that option because i, I assume that xander could be that Sure. But they clearly didn't think that they had that. So that's a really good point with Steven Anderson, a very underrated player. 
Yeah, and you know, signed for super cheap. I think he was like a healthy scratch for the Cardinals down the stretch. But hmm. um, you know, I think from a general standpoint, like I think teams these days, when it comes to like compiling their tight end room, you're looking for somebody who can do all the dirty work from an inline standpoint, somebody who can work the middle of the field and be that that safety valve. Every team's kind of trying to find like a big slot receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody that you can, you can uh, split out wide and mismatch against safeties and linebackers. And then generally speaking, if you're a three tight end team, you want that third guy to be kind of a, a mix of everything. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a fullback, kind of the same thing, you want him to be able to, be able to do a, a variety of things. So, you know, the Chargers have some work to do with this tight end room because they don't really like, we don't really know what to make of Trey McKitty at best. He's like your dirty work blocker, mm-hmm. but he's, he's not a threat as a receiver to this point. So they've really got to be able to figure out how do you mold this in Kellen Moore's image. And I think if you look at what the Cowboys did last year and the way that they used Dalton Schultz as their tight end one, I mean, he's lining up in the backfield. He's lining mm-hmm. up in the slot. He's lining up out wide. He's lining up in line. Like whoever is a tight end one for Kellen Moore's team, you have to do everything. And then, you know, they're kind of mixing and matching, you know, like I said earlier, but um, I'm very curious to see how Kellen Moore views Gerald Everett because yeah. to me he's he's not that like do he's not the do everything tight end one type. To me, he's like a really good tight end two, mm-hmm. very good replacement for Jared Cook, what they had in him. But the yeah. way that Kellen Moore is gonna mold this offense around his tight ends, I think is gonna be very interesting. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do. And I don't know if you feel the same way compared to last class, but it feels like this particular class was so much more involved as a blocker at different points mm-hmm. out wide blocking on screens inline tight end h back fullback whatever like a lot of these guys are doing a lot of different roles i think this class is a lot better as a blocking group as like a two-way sort of you know group and, and people have talked about this tight end class is really good and i think the floor is just elevated for so many of these guys and why I, it took me a while to get to someone with like a third or fourth round grade because all yeah. these guys like some are better than others but they can block and that was really impressive. So I think having that two-way, and we'll talk about who and who can do what, but having that would be really beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, a great kind of transition to what we want to talk about here. Um, just this tight end group in general. So you know, I mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people have talked about how good this tight end class is. I think <laughs> this is the best tight end class that I've seen since we've been doing this. And this is our fourth draft cycle, which is is hard to, to really believe. Um Cal Pitts to me is still like far and away the best tight end prospect that I've yeah. graded. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go two through five of of the next group, that it's it's all four of this class. Like mm-hmm. last year's tight end group was so underwhelming. I mean, Greg Dulcich was my tight end one, and he had like a late second round grade. Mm-hmm. And you know, him and Darnell Washington have like very comparable grades right now. And mm-hmm. that that's a tight end one last year. So yeah. this tight end group, you know, it has a, a really great top. Like I think, you know, a lot of people are obviously kind of pointing out like, you know, tight end hasn't really been a position where you really invest a first round pick. But this year you have at least two guys who I think are consensus, like top 25 players, you know, depending on who you ask. And so for me, this, this is a year where you take a tight end in the first round if mm-hmm. you need one. Because th- this class demonstrates, it's like I think it's it's hard for a lot of us to kind of differentiate between like what works historically versus mm-hmm. looking at this specific class. And I think this this tight end group is is a reflection of that. I think if you're looking historically at just what works and what doesn't, you technically are going to take an edge rusher at 21 then instead of a wide receiver. Like right, you you definitely want to lean towards some trends. And if you look at the class as a whole, maybe you feel like you can wait in on a tight end, but 
you know, I wouldn't just look at the history of taking a tight end in round one and say, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take that player. I wouldn't take <laughs> right. some player who if, if they're if they're not if they're worth it, like if they're worth it, take it. Um, I agree. I do think there's two guys who should be top 25. You could argue three. We'll see how we have ours ranked. But yeah, I, I think this is a year that you could take some guys, uh, one of one of at least two or three guys at 21. And I would get it. Now, that doesn't mean that we have first round grades on those guys. We want the Chargers to take at 21 in theory. It's unlikely that we would have a first round grade on someone that would be available at 21. Yeah. If, you know, the first 15, 18, 20 prospects go, you don't really have 21 first round grades. So it doesn't mean that the player we want at 21, a tight end at 21, is a oh, first round grade for us. Oh my God. Um, but they would fall exactly where we want them. And I think there's a couple of guys in this class that we'll talk about that can definitely fit that bill. Yeah. So for those of uh, of you who are kind of newer to the show and, and, you know, this is like your first draft, like really kind of, you know, honing in on this. I think when we talk about like a first round grade, like to me, that means that this player you think is a top 15, top 16 player in this class. Like, I think there's a big difference between somebody who can go in the first round versus this guy has an yeah. absolute like clear cut first round grade. And I think generally speaking, you know, if you listen to Daniel Jeremiah or the best in the business in terms of, you know, the draft evaluators, they'll say that if you have more than 15 first round grades, that class is like a stacked class. And I think... Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, you know, teams will, will kind of follow that same path where like if you're putting a first round grade on somebody, it means that you think that they are a truly like elite talent at their position. And, you know, we'll see how kind of that pans out come draft night of who or who isn't on board at, at 21. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, like you're talking about somebody that will likely have kind of like a, a high second round grade, which does translate to being a first round selection. It's just that, mm -hmm. you know, having a first round grade, I think, is is a, a very important distinction than being a first round player definitely and, and this class isn't like the 2021 wide receiver class where there's like three blue chip legit like top 10 guys at wide receiver for example where it's like okay yeah those decks definitely have like this class isn't a great class because they have like three blue chip legit elite prospects at tight end but it's just the guys that fit in that second round or like first round second round third round range are all really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Thomas pointing out uh, the last <laughs> first round grade that the Chargers had in that draft was Jerry Tillery. So that's, again, that's a little bit of a position value kind of thing. But some teams will will say like, hey, like if we have a first round grade on this player and he's the last first round grade player, we're just going to take that player and we'll figure out the rest later. And uh, unfortunately, the Chargers did that when they drafted Jerry Tillery. Do you remember if Kenneth Murray had a first round grade from them? I would want, I would think yes with the way that at least from a coaching staff perspective because yeah. obviously Anthony Lynn and the defensive staff were very very high on him mm -hmm. but uh if they traded up in the first round to draft somebody they didn't have a first round grade on uh that would be a very very bad drafting process yeah I think I remember them being like they really liked him and then they interviewed him and then they loved him so I'm guessing it was like a second round sort of grade thing that maybe squeeze into the first round. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know our first draft, you didn't necessarily grade a whole lot. That was me and uh, Jason mostly. Mm -hmm. um, so in general, what's your kind of impression from like a, you know, top heavy talent uh, grade level, I guess, from with this tight end in comparison to the past classes? I, okay, like I said, 
watching Kyle Pitts ruins every other tight end for you after that. <laughs> in the same way that watching Panay Sewell is like ruining. Now, again, some people have apparently had Slater higher than Sewell. I get that. But sure. watching Sewell, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. Um, so there's nobody that's like that. With that said, I looked back at our 2022 um, grades, and I think my first tight end appeared at like 60 on the big board, and yours was yeah. 49 or 50. Like they yeah. barely made it. Whereas I feel like this draft will have, like we talked about, at least two guys in that top 25. So is there like, I do think one guy has separated himself, in my opinion. Um, I, there's definitely one guy I do think that stands above the rest. Um, but I don't, like, it's not as, it's not top heavy. It's, I've again, I've gone through nine guys and I'd be happy with all of them on the Chargers mm -hmm. um, for different reasons and at different spots, of course. But last year, I felt like I was digging and clawing to find some blocking tight end from Nevada who had like 10 yards a game. <laughs> and I'm like, tight end 10, baby. That's going to be my guy. <laughs> um, so I, I really think this class, like, I, I kept going through tight ends. I'm like, these guys can all do quite a bit. Yeah. You know, some of the guys that we have, six, seven, eight, I like them. Like, they can do quite a bit of different things, They're not just one. Like, I don't feel like there's one Jelani Woods kind of guy where it's like, boy, that guy's a freak athlete looking guy and he can block. That's kind of it. Like, I don't I don't feel like there's a guy that's yeah. just like that. So a lot of guys can do a lot of different things. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's this is a really good group. And I think you could, you know, I got I graded 10 and I was like, OK, I want to find just like maybe one more and just see where yeah. we're at. And I'm glad that I did because I, I really liked the, the last one that I, I graded. Oh. So um this is uh this is a fun group so for our tight end rankings and for all of our rankings we're only going to do um eight prospects this year um you know it's going to save both of us some time obviously with the the limited schedule that we have uh and obviously you know with the the rush that is the, the nfl draft season with uh mm -hmm. while you're covering a playoff team so yeah um, we're only gonna do eight players at each position um we'll have one kind of miss the cut honorable mention for each so really i guess nine if you want to be a, a stickler that way um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how this one pans out. Um, and as always, we do have a sheet that we'll, uh, share on here. There we go. All right. So uh, I mentioned him, this is where I'll start us off here. I gotta find the, the sheet again. Okay. There we go. All right. So my just miss for me is going to be Mr. Braden Willis from Oklahoma. Um, you know, I mentioned Steven Anderson on the show and what the Chargers uh, were kind of missing him. And I, I think that's uh, Braden Willis is somebody that I think could fill a very similar role. I mean, this guy, <laughs> I, I watched the Oklahoma offense first when I was trying to study Marvin Mims. And the first game I pulled up was their Texas game and their starting quarterback uh, was injured that game. And they mm -hmm. were doing wildcat packages like every other play. Like I swear <laughs> it was like at least 15 times. And I was mm -hmm. like, what the hell is going on with this? Like, what are we doing here? And Braden Willis was actually the Wildcat quarterback for them. Uh, and they were actually doing some really fun things with him when I was like kind of doing the rewatch. So mm -hmm. uh, he's a bit on the liner side. I think Oklahoma listed him at like 236 pounds. But um, when it comes to being like an H-back kind of versatile blocker, I think he can really get the job done. I shared a clip of him, uh, you know, getting a, a nice solid pancake on uh, one of the Texas outside linebackers. Um, and I think he's just a really intriguing athlete as well. I think he's able to do some fun things after the catch. He's tied. He was tied with Darnell Washington in yards after catch per reception in this class. Hmm. And so I think he's a bit of a work in progress in general. But once you get past like these, once you get to this group, 
I think his athleticism really stands out and just his versatility as well. So um, I liked him not enough to put him in my top eight, but uh, you know, I like him enough to pay, make him an honorable mention. <laughs> so yeah, we're on the same page to start this thing already. Uh, this is exactly the person that I would have put at my just missed. And for the literally exact same reasons, I thought of Steven Anderson as well. I have nothing to nice. add <laughs> because we literally had the same, same idea uh, for this one. Yeah. Braden Willis. Uh, I don't know what it is about Oklahoma. I watched um, Hayes last year who was just very ferocious as a blocker. And I had, yeah. Hayes. I, I liked him more. Willis is definitely a bit haphazard at times, but there's definitely a ferocity to his blocking that I really like and the way they use him. I thought Steven Anderson as well. So I'm glad you brought that up. We we're on the same page so far. There we go. Well, All right, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll split this up in our rankings. Uh, Tyler, I'll let you go first. We'll do eight through six. We'll do five through three, and then two through one. So uh, who's number eight on your list for you? Okay. At, sorry, let me try to get through this. There we go. At number eight, I have Will Mallory from Miami. Mm-hmm. At number seven, I have, I get these names right, Payne Durham from Purdue. I'm trying to type talk and think at the same time is ridiculous <laughs> uh, and at number six i have sam laporta from iowa who i think he's going to take the blue ribbon for offense i hated watching the most this year <laughs> um i watch you know we follow michael peterson and he watches yeah. iowa and god bless him every every week he's like oh they scored three points today awesome yeah um, and that, that's really just kind of watching them um of these guys Payne Durham actually surprised me a bit as one of the last guys that I watched. I got to him pretty late, and I think it really was the the um, the Maryland game that did it for me because uh, there's a play where he catches some wide open pass at the 48. Whatever, it was just like a, a seam ball or something. Um, then he's finally touched and you know, like ready to be tackled at the 38, the on the way to the end zone, and he ends up dragging guys like 36 yards or 35 yards or whatever all the way to the two or three yard line. I'm thinking, oh, okay, not bad. And then in that same game, I'm watching him run you know, a whip route. I'm watching him run two angle routes um, from the inline tight end spot. One of them was for a touchdown. And I think, what was the other game? Anyway, he was consistently running the angle route. So is he my favorite guy? Not necessarily, but he can do a lot of things very, very well. The two sacks that he gave up on the year are a bit more concerning, but I think he's a solid prospect that you kind of want to to build and work with. And I have a third round grade on him. And frankly, if they took him in the third round, I would get it. He can do a lot of things. I think he's a kind of like Willis, but more as a, like a tight end than an like a fullback type, uh, but again, a bit haphazard of a blocker. And I think sometimes if you just kind of that kind of blocker who lunges and tries to be powerful up top, but forget the rest of your body, that can be a bit problematic, but I liked most of what he was able to do. Um, the numbers are pretty solid uh, the the route running is is kind of there. I feel like with Purdue, they were able to do more and, and like showcase more about what Payne Durham could do. Um, so that was really good to see. So I have him there. Yeah, Laporte at seven. Will Mallory from Miami at eight. And that's it for now. There we go. Uh, Payne Durham, did you know that he's not even in Pro Football Focus's mock draft simulator? I did look at that. <laughs> and I was like, man, am I horrible at grading these guys? Like, what did I do? I know. I like went through there and I like got to the second. I'm like wait like i i made this second round selection and i was like okay pain durham like this is who i'm gonna go with because i really yeah. like pain durham i think to me like if the charters don't take one of the top guys mm-hmm. for in, in the first round i think durham is the guy that i would prefer you know in a third round selection mm-hmm. at that point um somebody that i think you know you covered a lot of the points to me he's like the second he's the second best blocker in the class 
Mm. And um, I think you can do a little bit. You can look at him essentially as almost like a Michael Mayer discount version. Somebody that's going to do a lot of the, okay. the dirty work in line. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's going to be a nice contested catch player. I mean, you know, his work at the senior bowl kind of proved that, I think. Um, and they actually used him at the senior bowl as, as a fullback a little bit, too. So I think there is some mm-hmm. nice versatility nice. there. Um, but yeah, I get through the second round selection. I'm like, all right, here's Payne Durham third round. Let's lock it up. <laughs> and then he wasn't there. And I was like, yeah. I was like showing up. I'm like, okay, did they, do they have him like really high? Like, where'd he go? Yeah. And then I searched his name in there and then he wasn't in there. So I was like, what the heck? You got to get Payne Durham and put some yeah. respect on Payne Durham's name at this point. Yeah, that's, that's surprising. Uh, I've watched two players now that didn't <laughs> end up declaring for the draft. They went back to school. So no, no. Just, <laughs> it was, um, oh gosh, who's the, the Minnesota tight end who's like 6'7, 270? Um, because apparently they just grow him huge at Minnesota with Daniel Falele and those guys. Yeah. Um, watched him, figured out he returned, and then I watched Cade Stover, found out he returned. So that was fun. So when I saw Payne Durham wasn't on there, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. How did I get through three <laughs> guys that aren't declaring for the draft? But I don't know where he is, and I didn't check the draft, never forget. Yeah, got to love it. Got to love it. So uh, not going to have a ton of uh, different thoughts here. I do have uh, Cameron Latu is my number eight tight end, oh. the uh, tight end from Alabama. And then I also have Payne Durham at hmm. number seven. And uh, Sam Laporta at. I'm just gonna copy and paste this over. I don't want to do this. <laughs> no problem. There we go. Uh, and then I have Sam Laporta at number six. So um, I'll talk a little bit more about Sam Laporta. I think he's a really interesting prospect. Like I think, again, that Iowa offense was uh, was atrocious, man. <laughs> it was it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but you look at the way he's being used, and I kept on seeing him go out wide. Um, and I'm like, man, they're really using him like a, a big receiver at this point, not just like a big slot receiver, like big receiver. And so I'm like looking through all these numbers, right? I go on PFF and, you know, Sam Laporta <laughs> took 20% of his snaps out wide as a, as like an X receiver for them. Um, you know, his 20% was like eight percentage points higher than second place in this class. So I think was uh, actually Will Mowry from Miami, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong there. Um, it might have been Michael Mayer as well. But um, yeah, Sam Laporta being that of a versatile of a receiver i think will lend itself towards him translating towards the nfl i don't think you want him being like a heavy big x receiver um in the nfl but i think it's some like the nfl is is pivoting towards this like mismatch you know um dynamic versatility kind of tight mm-hmm. end option and i think sam La- sam laporta can do that I, I am curious to see really how fast he runs but I mean, he looks like he's plenty fast on tape. He's able to be a nuanced route runner. Um, mm-hmm. He's not super aggressive at the point of the cat at the high point yeah. of the catch like some of these other tight ends. I think that's probably his big weakness at this point, and that's really where uh, you know his his drops come into play is because he's not really like yep. a, a super physical tight end. But if you want a guy who's going to come in and just kind of you know be a versatile route runner, be able to do some mismatch things from the very so much like a Dalton Schultz who can do like backfield snaps, slot mm-hmm. snaps, H back snaps. I think Sam Laporta can be that guy, and he's just a really nuanced route runner. I mean, he's he's one of the few tight ends on this list that's played tight end for a very long time, mm-hmm. and it shows up because he is re- he really is able to you know snap his hips at the high point of a catch and really be able to to route these guys up. Like if you go through his Ohio State tape, there's two or three times where he really is is routing up a safety or, or sometimes even a corner and that's Ohio state's defense. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think Laporta, it, he's, he's a very solid, safe prospect in this group. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's going to stand out for teams for sure. Yeah. He's uh, what's his name. 
Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati last year. Yeah. He's kind of like that for me, where you want guys with a bit more upside. Um, that's kind of what you're looking for sometimes, but there's nothing really wrong with a guy who's a safe, good player who does things well. And that really does feel like Sam Laporta. It really, those slants when he was beating corners on the outside, like that did a lot for me to place him a bit higher because, yeah, you know, like you talked about with the contested catch and the hands overall, he's not like one of those tight ends as much. And that's why part of the reason he's lower for sure. But watching him be able to do things out wide as like a legit receiver, um, he was, it was very, very impressive. So Sam Laporta, number six for me. Um, some people have him like third in the class. I can't really go that far unless you're, if you're grading more for maybe being sound and like what they can do day one versus maybe upside, I guess I could see that, but I don't really buy that he's in like that top three or four. But Laporta is like, I think he's Daniel Jeremiah and Dane Brugler was like fourth or third guy in this class. And that was a bit mm. surprising. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting to see how the, the big analysts kind of, you know, split up these, these positions, right? Cause Daniel Jeremiah loves Dalton Kincaid. He has like number nine overall in his class. And then Brugler, I think has him as tight end four. So it's just, it's funny to see how different people like different things. So, um, all right, I'll go next here uh, for my five through six. At number five, I do have Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. I'm putting SDSU. I know it's going to bug some people for San Diego State. South Dakota State. <laughs> uh, at number four, I'm going to put Darnell Washington there. I know that's going to okay. be a bit of a surprise for, for some people. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. And then mm-hmm. number three, I have Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. <laughs> Okay, so well, I, I think know where I, this is going. I'm, I'm gathering that we're going to have a bit of a different uh, stance here on the top two tight ends. But, you know, I'll talk about Darnell Washington first because he's a player that a lot of Chargers fans want us to draft. And I want to understand, you know, taking him in the first round. Obviously, uh, the Chargers just hired a quality control coach from Georgia. Brandon Staley loves the University of Georgia. Yes, he does. It's like every fiber of his being. So there will be a Georgia player taken by the Chargers at some point in this draft. I think for me, when you're talking about Darnell Washington, he's far and away the best blocker in this class. I think if you are looking for somebody who's going to be able to walk into the league, handle his business one-on-one, mm-hmm. be able to set the edge, seal the backside, you know, win one-on-one pass reps against you know edge rushers, Darnell Washington is absolutely your guy. He's got some technique issues. Like his hands are – he's so big, right, <laughs> that yeah. his hands sometimes end up on the backs of his, mm-hmm. of his uh, defensive assignments. And so – you know, he'll get called for holding penalties quite a bit if that doesn't get cleaned up in the NFL. Um, but just from a size standpoint, like he's such a unique player. Like there was this time where he was blocking Noah Sewell and Noah Sewell was like one of the bigger off-ball linebackers in college football. And Darnell Washington just just dwarfs him, right? Just like just mm-hmm. swallows him at the point of attack. And so he's a fantastic blocker. He's I think his athleticism has been a little overstated in terms of like his speed and his elusiveness and quick mm-hmm. twitch. And that's really what it comes down to for me versus the other tight ends in this class. I have a hard time picturing Darnell Washington as like a 90 target, 600 Mm -hmm. yard receiving, six touchdown kind of player. I think he can be an elite red zone weapon. I think he can absolutely, you know, carve out a role as a yards after catch threat. But basically, you and I had this conversation. It's like if you took Donald Parham and said, what's the best version of Donald Parham? <laughs> how high would you grade him, and how high would you draft him? Yep. And that's kind of where I'm at with Darnell Washington. I, I think he's a he's an elite blocking tight end, like the second he walks into the league. 
but I just I have a hard time picturing him ever being like a legitimate tight end one because he doesn't have that kind of route running ability, the quick twitch athleticism traits to mm-hmm. really like go out into the slot and route up a deep, route up a safety, right? Like he just doesn't yeah. have that kind of versatility in his game. That's okay. You know, he's still absolutely a top five uh, tight end for me. He still mm-hmm. would have been a tight end one for me last year. But uh, I just think there's some concerns from how his game translates to the receiving game uh, for from his athletic profile. Yeah, it's interesting because we have this unique perspective of as Chargers fans is you can look at some of these freaky tier looking guys at tight end in the draft and go, okay, well, we have Donald Parham and we've seen in the NFL what something like this could look like. And if you had the best and healthiest version of that, you know, what could you do with them? I think Donald Parham is a fantastic tight end two, who at times I think could be relied on to be a tight end one. Sure. But now I I think Darnold Washington probably has more talent in him. And I think, you know, at this point you maybe could consider his ceiling a bit higher, but I even think Donald Parham is better after the catch and not necessarily in terms of like long striding and running. We've seen the Darnold Washington hurdles. We get it. But I mean, the, (laughs) make guys miss i mean watch any donald parham catch where he's got some space to work he's probably making that defender miss it happened yeah. over and over and over he's an again. insane athlete yeah. he is it's a, such a surprise for a guy who's you know as big and tall as he is um so darnell washington at four tucker craft five luke musgrave at three i kind of faked you out on social media i think because i said what if i had this player not that i did have this player <laughs> and so <laughs> my fi- our five through one is going to be exactly the same actually our All six right. through one is going to be exactly the same and if i watched cameron latu then maybe we'd have the same entire list um, <laughs> I, I just didn't watch him so i don't know what to say anything about him so of course of course this is where we ended up um i'm sure everyone's gonna bail now because we have no discourse here but <laughs> Uh, Luke Musgrave at tight end yeah. three. First of all, I want to ask you this question, or I'll ask you now, but answer it later. I thought you had Musgrave at two, so I'm surprised, and I want to hear why you moved him uh, to three instead of two. Um, yeah, so I, I did have him at tight end two um, mm-hmm. earlier this week. I, I went back and rewatched some Michael Mayer games, and I just mm-hmm. was able to uh, actually watch some of his games from 2021. Um, so it's not that I necessarily lowered Musgrave on his grade. It's more that I, I kind of elevated Michael Mayer, but gotcha. I'm, I'm a big fan of Luke Musgrave. I mean, he he's definitely more of a project than some of these other guys on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the whole Pac-12 didn't play like at all in 2020. He played right. in 2021, had a good season, and then he only played, I think, three games, three two full games in uh, 2022. So, you know, there, there's not a ton of tape on here. But when you talk about like betting on traits and betting on athletic profile, I mean, he was like the fourth fastest player at the senior bowl. And, you know, you talked about like, you know, the NFL is kind of pivoting towards these tight ends who can miss cause mismatches. Right. And Mm -hmm. Luke Musgrave is absolutely able to like go be a vertical tight end. I think that's, that's what he's going to bring to a team. I think he's a good blocker, but you know, when you when you have a tight end from the inline or from the slot who can go run posts, go run corners, go run go balls, seam balls, all these things, I think it just opens up so much, so many mm-hmm. more possibilities as a, as a passing offense. And like from a Chargers perspective, the idea of pairing Luke Musgrave with Gerald Everett sounds pretty mm-hmm. good to me because Gerald Everett's kind of that, you know, yards after catch, short intermediate tight end that they really like. And then you add Luke Musgrave into the fact, and you really have this very versatile pairing with those two. So Luke mm-hmm. Musgrave is definitely somebody I think the Chargers would be really interested in for sure. 
Yeah, this is the player that I think, I guess it slightly depends on what they're looking for. But if I were to add a tight end to the Chargers tight end room, not necessarily at 21, but if I'm just taking a guy, adding him to the tight end room, this freak of a dude is the guy that I'd love to add to that tight end room, even over guys that I do grade higher and like more. This is someone with Justin Herbert in this offense who just, this would be a, a lot of fun, for lack of better words. I mean, he even might be my tight end too when all said and done. I'm not entirely sure. The lack of you know total play production, the injury, and being a bit more of a project might keep him at number three. But to me, there's no tight end who, just by stepping onto the field, will stress a defense more than someone like Luke Musgrave. And I think it stems from him being a defensive end and then having to switch to tight end because his first step and how fast he is off the line, like right about the time that Jim Nagy was posting the senior bowl footage of him you know, flying off the line and saying that he ran, you know, 20 or 21 miles per hour, which is ridiculous. Right about that time, I was watching uh, Musgrave's film and you could just see that off the snap, I don't think there's a faster straight line guy in this class than Luke Musgrave, at least of the guys that I watched. And for him to do that at 6'6", 250, I think he's 6'6 and a half or something like that with 250 at the Senior Bowl. It's just, it's nasty. And if at some point, if you just don't have the guys to cover that, you do not have the guys to cover that. If you're trying to fake that you're blitzing and then try to drop back into a zone or whatever, you better be able to move. And if you're fast, that's great. Are you big enough to handle someone this tall, this athletic? Um you know, for someone that tall, you might worry about his ability to block at the line of scrimmage. I didn't find that to be as much of an issue. You know, it tends to be the typical, this guy's very tall, therefore he tends to lunge or he you know, <laughs> loses leverage or something. Yeah. That happens all the time. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen with Musgrave, but I felt like it wasn't enough of an issue where I had to like knock and ding him points for that. I think when he's able to use his length, I think he's fantastic. Um, again, he's a very, very tall guy. He's got long arms. And he's a heck of an athlete. So he's a very strong blocker, great length. Um, I think there's just so much you can do with him. Would I take him at 21? I don't know. But I think he'd be so much fun to see on the Chargers because of what he can do off the line. Yeah, I mean, you look at what the 49ers kind of did this past season and and their, their version of like the death lineup, right? When they have George Kittle and... Uh, Kyle Juszczyk out on the field together. Juszczyk's a fullback, right? But they use him like a tight end, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the kind of stress that they're able to put on defense is because Kittle can run every vertical route and because Juszczyk can run every single route in the from mm -hmm. a short and intermediate range. Like, I think Luke Musgrave's ability to really open things up there like would be fantastic for the Chargers and just gives them, you know, that much more versatility. Like, if you want to talk about adding speed and and versatility and like more deep routes to the Chargers offense. Yeah. You know, you take Luke Musgrave in the first round if you if you're really in that into him, maybe he falls to the second round, I don't know. But you add a speed receiver and then you also add Luke Musgrave. Nasty. Like, that's a nasty offense, man. And you can get into some really unique personnel groupings from a 12 mm -hmm. personnel standpoint and Kellen Moore drawing things up with Luke Musgrave, a speed threat. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, like that, that passing offense and that personnel package would be incredibly difficult to stop for opposing defenses. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk about Tucker Craft as well, because he's, okay. he's somebody that I, I'm very intrigued by as well for him to see really how he tests. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I might end up having him lower. Like it's so hard to tell really how athletic these guys yes. who play in these small schools are because yeah, you watch him play against Colorado state or you watch him playing against Northern Iowa and absolutely he's, he's running past dudes and that's fantastic. <laughs> you want to see right. him dominate against this competition and he absolutely did. But if he goes out to the combine and he runs like a four seven, like a low four seven or like a four eight, I'm like, eh, I might, might, might knock him down a little bit, but from a, Film standpoint, you know, he's a former high school running back. And mm-hmm. I love that because it really shows up <laughs> in how yeah. aggressive he is after the catch. Like, I think him and Darnell Washington are the more of like the I'm going to go try and run you over types. Mm-hmm. And obviously at North Dakota, at South Dakota State, excuse me, uh, Tucker Craft is able to do that. So very intriguing background, you know, as a former running back. I think he played quarterback as well in high school, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so Definitely somebody I'm interested in. Where he goes exactly, I think, is is very test-dependent for me. But yeah. the film is very fun. You know, he's, again, somebody that, you know, lines up in the backfield, lines up out wide, lines up in the mm-hmm. slot, does, you know, is involved in the screen game. So there's a lot to like from, from a Tucker Craft standpoint, too. Yeah, he's the, the one with the biggest asterisk for me in terms of where I'll, like, do I, I have him at five? Sure. But could he move up? Could he move down? I don't really know yet. And I think I'm going to have to watch more do more research or something because I feel like with him, there's two sides of this. One, you see him do things, but in the FCS. Um, but the other side of that is I felt like I didn't get to see enough of him. So I feel like there's a ceiling that he can hit that he didn't get to hit in the the plays that I in the film that I watch him. At the same time, he was already playing against you know the competition that he had. So is that just is it kind of in the middle? Is what I'm saying. Like, what's his ceiling? But then like, is he maybe worse than we think? because of the competition all you want to see is that he can dominate the competition i think as a receiving option he did there's one play against like northern iowa where he just like drags two dudes down the sideline yeah like Like, it's it's fantastic like he looks the part you know you're watching this guy and he's like oh that is a bigger stronger faster presence than anybody else on the field um compared to you know compared to the other dbs and, and linebackers I didn't, though, get to see him dominate as a blocker as much as I would have liked. There were moments, definitely, but I feel like I just wanted to see a, a bit more of him dominating as a blocker, which kind of applies more to like the FCS tackles and like a Cordell Volson or something sure. from last year. I didn't really get to see that as much. So he's he's at five for me right now, but I kind of want to see more of him. And I guess, yeah, some of that will come down to um, at the combine. I don't know where you have him as a grade. Tucker Craft um, on this list was my last or first third round grade. Um, and then Washington, Musgrave, and the other guys, um, you know, second round grades. So Craft is a third round grade for me. I don't know where you had him. I'm just curious, like, where's kind of your cutoff for like the third, second round grades on this list? Yeah. So uh, Darnell Washington is my last second round player. Okay. Um, I have him as a, as, a, as a lower second round grade. And then Tucker Craft is, is high third round grade. Um, and him and Sam Laporta and Payne Durham, like they're all kind of clustered together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have Tucker Craft at a 6.4, Sam Laporta has a 6.3, and then Payne Durham is a 6.25. So okay. they're they're all right there grouped next to each other. And Payne Durham, too. Like if Payne Durham goes to the combine and has a really great athletic testing, mm-hmm. you know, he's somebody that I, I would move up. But um, I do have some athletic question marks there for him. So yeah, that that trio I think is really gonna be combine independent in terms of like how do they they stack up fine in terms of like when everything's said and done yeah definitely i don't know if i see crafts bumping into a second round grade for me just based on combine performance so 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think he got no, 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 there. Not. Definitely yeah, I, yeah, I think he settles there. And then, yeah, Washington is my last second round grade as well. Okay, we're pretty close. Do you want me to go first on the two and one so you can close this thing out for your two and one? <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Uh, to no one's surprise, uh, let me get to this thing. I have at number one, Schoonmaker. No, I'm kidding. I didn't get to watch him. I didn't get to watch him. Uh, Michael Mayer. First of all, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you get all salty because I put him at two. Uh, F off. Gosh, I, heaven forbid I put I post one thing about Mayer not being tight end one and Notre Dame fans came out of the woodwork. <laughs> Just be like, you're an idiot. Why is Dalton Kincaid better? I'm like, okay, well, here's the reasons I think he's better. And they're like, well, okay, goalpost move. And they tried some other thing. It's like, I hate you. Um, <laughs> so Michael Mayer almost made it to like just missed because of Notre Dame fans alone. Um, I will not talk about Dalton Kincaid. I will talk about Michael Mayer, who, again, I think there's a chance that Musgrave is the tight end two at the end. But I think you can't deny i guess that michael mayer probably walks into the nfl and as a guy who gets like five for 50 every game kind of immediately if they choose to like feature him a little bit um his floor is very high his work on contested catches is outstanding like if you need a red zone threat if you were on the chargers right now and they got to the red zone even equally or as much as you know throwing to mike williams i would consider throwing to michael mayer because he's just one of those players like if you throw the ball at him and it just is anywhere in his radius, he's going to catch it. And it's more than just that he's able to do that. It's glue. It sticks to him. And I love the way that someone like Michael Mayer, my favorite guys that are good at the contested catch, it's not that they can just go get the ball. It's that they get the ball and they can turn and protect the football from there. So if you're on the sideline, if you're in the end zone, you know, if it's a whatever, like you're able to catch the ball and turn and pivot and secure it so the ball doesn't dislodge it. Or someone doesn't come in late and knock it out or something like his contested catch ability is probably better than I can recall from anyone in last year's class. And I feel the same for this year's class and the numbers do back that up as well. I believe he's first in contested catch rate among most of these guys for a certain number of targets. 
he's very reliable and i think there's a lot to like about him i just don't love michael mayer i almost feel like with what you get and what you see right now is what you're going to get in the nfl and hey that's great having a prospect that feels like he's safe solid no surprises and again five catches 50 yards six catches 55 yards whatever like that being your floor and what you'll probably hit in the nfl is awesome and as a red zone threat that's awesome but that's just kind of it for me and i don't mean that as a knock at all it's just like he's good and i don't know how much gooder he could be from there <laughs> you know he's he's not going to be your guy after the catch he's not exactly a prolific route runner although he can work on that he's not the fastest guy and i, I don't know and I, I messaged you before about this he's like the slowest guy off the line consistently from many different points mm-hmm. and it's a surprise I don't know, you know, tight end or blocking in general, but that's the first time I can remember someone just being considered that high, right? As as considered, you know, tight end one. I think the consensus is he's tight end one. And for him to just be so slow off the line and consistently the last guy off the line, it was concerning. And I think his work as a blocker is um fine. I think he's I think he's a good blocker. And I think there's few guys that really know how to to turn and pivot flip their hips like like he can i just thought i would see a bit more from him i guess maybe i i came into this one slightly overhyped and came away slightly underwhelmed um and again i feel like i'm talking negatively about him he's my tight end too i really like him the chargers <laughs> took him at 21 i yeah. would understand that's where i think the grade does at least fit the selection even if i don't think the player does but a little bit slow i think the floor is high ceilings mostly reached i think sometimes when you watch him run like a hitch or a curl or something you see his leg kind of like swing out to turn rather than be a bit more like precise mm. and concise. And I always thought that was kind of odd. Um, that's just a weird quirk thing. So again, really like Michael Mayer. He's my tight end too. I just think he's going to be a good player in the league. And I don't know if that's where you want to go over someone like Dalton Kincaid, who I have at number one. Take it away. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I do want to talk about Michael Mayer before I talk about Dalton um i really like michael mayer as well he's got a a high second round grade for me um i I would totally understand why the chargers would be interested in him i think he checks a lot of their boxes outside of the notre dame stuff which is more (laughs) of a telesco thing than it is a brandon staley thing at this point but in terms of like the way that the chargers kind of approached their first two rounds with brandon staley Mm -hmm. you know they've really shown that they really want to you know, value these players who have a lot of consistent production at a high level program. And I think Michael Mayer gives that to you. And I think you Mm -hmm. could really see him fitting in well and blending well with Gerald Everett. You know, I, I, again, I kind of talked about it, you know, he's not the best blocker to me. He's like the third best blocker in the class, but he's absolutely somebody that's not afraid to go in there, do the dirty work, set the Mm -hmm. edge, seal the backside, you know, handle blocking assignments one-on-one. I don't think if you're drafting in the first round, you don't really want him to be, your main blocking tight end. Uh, same with Dalton Kincaid for that matter. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot to like with with Michael Mayer for sure. Um, you know, you mentioned the contested catches. <laughs> he was he was given 26 contested targets, contested catch targets last year at Notre Dame. Uh, by Ooh. far the most in this class um, of anybody who has more than 12 contested catch targets. Uh, he has the highest rate of them. It was like 62. Mm. percent yeah. So he is absolutely, you know, a contested catch demon, if you want to call him that. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. really able to have a, a very high floor because of that ability. 
because of his blocking ability. He's a very well-rounded tight end. And I think of the top four, he's probably the most well-rounded tight end. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, I don't think he has like an elite athletic profile. He's not as fast as Musgrave. I don't think he's as as good of a route runner as as Dalton Kincaid. He's obviously not as big or as physical as Darnell Washington. But I think he gives you the best of, of everything. So that's where I'm with Mike, Michael Mayer. I really like the tight end. I, I think in most years, you're probably talking about Michael Mayer as a consensus tight end one in a class outside of Kyle Pitts. And again, you know, I love Dalton Kincaid, obviously. And and <laughs> so I, I went about watching Michael Mayer, wanting him to kind of make me, like force me to put Dalton Kincaid lower. Like, I know mm-hmm. that's like, people are not going to believe that, but like, it was the same thing with Devin Lloyd last year. Like, I loved Devin Lloyd. I loved mm-hmm. Dalton Kincaid. But I want somebody to really like show me that they are a better prospect than these two players. And so I really did my best to kind of separate the Utah, uh, you know, my alumni connection <laughs> to the University of Utah. And I, I did want Michael Mayer to like be better than Dalton Kincaid. It just didn't work out that way. So for me, Dalton Kincaid is by far the most versatile receiver in this class. Yeah, I think if you really watch the Florida tape in in uh, especially mm-hmm. the the Florida tape in particular, he was the guy that Florida was double teaming. And that was when Utah was at their healthiest. That was when Utah had Brant Keithy. They had Devon Vele. They had Makai Bernard. These, these, their best receivers who were not healthy at the end of the season. Everybody was healthy against Florida. And Florida was double teaming Dalton Kincaid. Like that's how much Florida respected what Kincaid is able to do as a receiver. I think he's, despite not playing tight end for very long, he only played one year in high school, high school football at all. I think he was a lacrosse guy before that. Um, despite his kind of freshness to the position, like he's an incredibly nuanced route runner and he can do every single route in, in the route tree. Again, not as athletic, physically gifted as Luke Musgrave, but mm-hmm. if you want somebody who can really attack a post corner route or attack a seam route, yep. attack a corner route, a, a deep out, like Dalton Kincaid is really able to throttle down and make people guess where he's going at an incredibly high level. So, you know, he's somebody like when I picture what Kellen Moore had in Dalton Schultz, I think mm. you can copy paste Dalton Kincaid into that same role and Dalton Kincaid would have a fantastic season for the Chargers. Um, you know, somebody that can handle all of that. Now, as a blocker, like the way that he's described as a blocker really makes me mad because <laughs> you really have to understand like what kind of tight end you're getting right? and the separation of the two positions. Like, is he somebody that you're going to want to put on the edge, handle those one-on-one reps, you know, seal the backside, cut off the front side. No, he's not that kind of blocker. Again, I don't think that's why you draft him in the first round. But as somebody who can be kind of like that secondary tight end, as somebody who can cut across the formation, as somebody who can pull to the second level, somebody who can line up and maybe as a fullback, H-back role, he can handle his business in that regard. Mm-hmm. So this characterization of him as a terrible blocker really makes me upset because th- that's not true. You know, is he a Darnell Washington, Darnell Washington type blocker or Payne Durham? No, obviously not. Again, that's not, that's not who he is, but he can absolutely handle his business from a secondary blocker type. So you just have to know what you're drafting. And I think that really will really help you kind of understand the evaluation of, of mm-hmm. who you're getting as a blocker. So, Obviously, I love Dalton Kincaid, man. I think he's he's definitely worth a, a top first round pick. I think the Chargers would would be 
you know, I would be thrilled, obviously, with, if they took him with the 21st pick. He's absolutely worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I went to Utah. So, you know, <laughs> if you choose to ignore everything I just said and say, oh, he looked, he went to Utah, then, you know, so be it. But I, I do genuinely believe that Dalton Kincaid is tight end one in this class. And I think his film, his statistics, uh, I didn't even mention this. He has the lowest drop rate of anybody in this class with more than 40 targets. So, yeah, uh, I, I definitely think that the film, the statistics, everything backs it up. I'm glad you brought up the blocking because I think everyone believes that tight ends only block next to the tackle. And that's not necessarily the case. Now, maybe your offense calls for that. Um, I don't necessarily think that Kellen Moore's offense would. But if your offense calls for that, go elsewhere. You know, that's not really the fit potentially. With Dalton Kincaid, I think he can do enough at the line of scrimmage, of course. But he's also like, if you just, if that's all you use him for, then why did you take him in the first round? Yeah. You know, that would be a severe miscalculation of of what he's good at. Um, So maybe Joe Lombardi would have. I don't know. But that's not what you use him for. And if you look at the numbers of the 67 pass blocking reps that he had at Utah, he allowed zero pressures. So it's not like I'm watching some guy who can't block at the line of scrimmage at all. Yep. You know, some people are, are over, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, over-exaggerating the issues as a blocker. I think that he's fine as an inline tight end blocker, but that's not what you would use him for. You use him as a puller. You use him to move. You use him in space. You use him on to free up somebody else on a screen. What he can do as a blocker, you know, at the receiver position is fantastic. And I think the Chargers could definitely use that. In terms of what he can do as a receiver, I didn't find anybody in this class who really actually came super close to him as a pure receiving option. I think that Will Mallory can do some of that because he's a bit of a lighter guy at 239. So he's more of like the pure receiver-ish type. I thought Laporta could do it. And we talked about how we thought Laporta was kind of a discount Kincaid. But -hmm. still, like no one could do what Kincaid could do because he's just a bit twitchier and he's just a bit faster and to go on top of that he's second in the class in yards per route run his drop rate is fantastic he blocks i think well enough i just said he plus blocks 67 times at utah no pressures like the numbers look good the film looks good you know if he were maybe a bit more of an athlete a bit more of a better blocker yeah um, then i guess yeah maybe you'd have him like you know he'd be the consensus tight end one over michael mayer I think it really just comes down to what your preference is. If your offense needs an inline tight end, it's not Kincaid. That's not who you want to be your official inline tight end blocker guy. Um, but if you're someone like Kellen Moore, who I think can move these players around and do different things with them, I think that Dalton Kincaid is, is more your guy. Maybe even Luke Musgrave. Again, nothing against Michael Mayer. I just think he fits this particular style and scheme. And for the Chargers, not that we're ranking based on Chargers fit, but I feel like Kincaid is just that's the guy that I want. And for his numbers, by the way, to look, his yards after the catch, the numbers where he ranks isn't that great. I would disagree that that, those numbers and where he's ranked reflects how he is after the catch. I feel like he's much better than that. There were several times against, I think, Florida for sure and against USC that he was, like, guys were bouncing off of him or he was fighting through contact. Yeah, He wouldn't, he wasn't always necessarily set up in spots where he could take like a shallow crosser and then have a free like 10, 15 yards. You know, some of these guys like um, Tucker Craft, it was like the 180 yard play for the yards after the catch. And you really didn't see like as much there. Whereas yeah. someone like Kincaid, I think consistently got the three to four to five that I think is a bit more realistic in the NFL. So 
yeah, Kincaid, definitely a tight end one for me. Um, he was like, if I had to separate by tiers, Washington Musgrave Mayer fit the second tier. I do think Kincaid has just put himself into a single soul tier in the NFL. And if he goes to the right team, I do think the production will be there. Again, Mayer walks in immediately has five for 50, six for 60, whatever. But Kincaid's the guy that's like, okay, when Keenan Allen's out, Mike Williams is out, we got to turn to somebody. Can Mayer get you that 100-yard game to beat the Chiefs? I don't know. Kincaid, I do think he can. Yeah, again, I, I'm glad you brought up a lot of those different things. You know, his ability to absorb contact and and keep going is something that absolutely, you know, is consistently out there on tape. Um, Thomas Martinez pointing this out, and I, and I did want to address this as well, um, and I'm glad he brought it up. Just like the sheer toughness that um, – oops, chose the wrong one. But yeah, the Bruin, hopefully uh, that as well. Um, so, you know, Thomas bringing up just like the sheer toughness. So people are talking about like Dalton Kincaid's injury history. Um, so just to kind of run through it a little bit, he played the last half of the season with a torn labrum in his shoulder that he suffered against Washington State. And it happened on, it happened like at midfield. And, you know, he went down, they called timeout. And then, like three plays later, he caught a screen pass and ran it into the end zone for a touchdown. And he played through that torn labrum. You see him. There's a picture of him online with a with a, a sling out there. And he missed one game, and then he came back and he finished the season strong. He played against Colorado, and against Colorado, he actually hurt his back like pretty severely. And he played the Pac-12 championship game with both of those injuries. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you know, some people are concerned about the injuries, but it's like he played through them. <laughs> Like, I promise you, he was able to deal with that mm-hmm. kind of tough, like that kind of pain and and handle his business. And if I think if he had really been fully healthy in the Rose Bowl, you're talking about somebody who would have had a, a, made a massive difference in that game up until obviously Cam Rising got injured. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are saying like, oh, like he's injured, like we're not too sure about it. He didn't play in the senior bowl. He played through his injuries. It's just that he's focusing on getting fully healthy mm-hmm. right now. And I think that's the right decision for him. But the fact that he's able to to do that kind of thing and, and play through those kind of injuries, I think, says a lot about him as well. Yeah, no, definitely a tough dude. I And if you're going to get on Steven about being a Utah fan, <laughs> I'm a USC fan. So if anything, <laughs> I shouldn't have Kincaid at number one because of the you know total of 300 yards you put up in two yeah. games or whatever. Uh, but I do have him at tight end one. So maybe you can say Steven is biased. I'm not. He's tight end one. I do think that if you have someone else at tight end one, I get it. But to me, he's just he's just a tier better. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So yeah, that is uh that's our tight end episode. Before we end really quickly, there were a couple of super chats that I wanted to get to um and, and at least acknowledge. So mine mine's being super slow. So if you can find the first one. Okay, there's definitely one here at least, and I'll look for more. Okay. That was the one I was looking for. Okay. Uh, cool. So Christian Hernandez wants to know how realistically can we trade up in the late first, second round to go get tight end and receiver or what tight end receiver can we get in the second round if we go back to back weapons? So I think to me, the Chargers need more picks, not less picks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They can go in and, and get two first round picks like they did with Kenneth Murray. I think you're probably better off to trade down and then do it that way. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about like different combinations and stuff like that. But from a, from a sheer pick standpoint, I mm-hmm. think you want the chargers to have more picks, not less picks. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I need to watch more receivers at this point. I've watched like four, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you what wide receiver in round two would be there. 
to me, I don't know, like it just doesn't seem like at 21, the Chargers are going to have anyone they'd want unless it's Jalen Hyatt or maybe Zay Flowers. But I, I don't I haven't watched Zay Flowers enough yet to make a decision. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't trade up. Trading back would be great. If I had to trade up for someone, you go at least go get a wide receiver. Like if you're going to trade up in the draft, yeah. at least go get the wide receiver that you want. You know, if Addison goes, if Jackson Smith and Jigba goes, then you want Jalen Hyatt or something. Then yeah, I guess that'd be the guy I'd trade up for. I'd rather go trade up for a wide receiver, um, but otherwise, I'm I'm not for trading up this draft. Yeah, I mean, I. I... I love Dalton Kincaid. I would, you're not trading up to go get Dalton Kincaid. I think that'd be a bad use of resources. Um, you know, Dalton Kincaid will probably be my last first round grade. Um, you know, so I, I have a very yeah. high second on Michael Mayer, but I do have a first round grade on Dalton Kincaid. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you trade up for a tight end. I think that's, that's not a, a smart allocation of resources, but trading up for a receiver pass rusher. I would understand that. Mm-hmm. But again, I think, I think this Chargers team needs more picks, not less picks. Yeah, definitely. For what it's worth, I sorry, don't have a first on Dalton Kincaid. It's literally like if he I sneezed, the grade would be a first round grade. Um, but it's <laughs> okay. not currently there. But I will say if at the combine, just watching like I there are some questions about like athletic profile. If he goes out and sure. balls out and he's like at this like nine seven RAS, then sure. that might bump into a first round. For now, he's just he's just barely there as a fringe, and then Mayer is also um he's like a mid second, I guess, if you had to classify it that way. Yeah, so Dalton's right at the cutoff for a first round pick for me. I've, I've been right at a seven. Anything less than a seven is is not a first round pick. So I love Dalton Kincaid. It's not like I'm putting like an elite prospect grade on him, you know. <laughs> so just to to clarify that as well. And then uh, I had to give a shout out to Gavino Borquez in the chat today. He says mm-hmm. Kincaid had a key block out in space on a rushing touchdown versus Oregon, third quarter, two forty two remaining. That's amazing. I think if you also want to see what he's like as a blocker. You go ask Kayvon Thibodeau and see how he locked up Kayvon Thibodeau in two games last year against Oregon. So um, Dalton Kincaid, definitely a, a, an above average pass blocker, in my opinion. Definitely. All right, Tyler, any uh, final thoughts on the tight ends and uh, how we might see the Chargers kind of uh, attack this this position this year? Mm, I don't know. It's so tough because you fall in love with some guys that are so good, you know, maybe like the top of your list. Then you go, you know, further and further and further and further back into the prospects. Granted, I've only graded nine, so it's not like I've graded the whole class. But you start to think, like, mm, you know, maybe if you know they can get this guy here, they can get this guy there. I do think the Chargers almost like receiver. If it's rounds one, two, or three, I really don't care. But I do think they have to go take somebody. You need a succession plan for succession plan for Gerald Everett. Um, Donald Parham is not officially even back yet, and even if he is, they probably move on after this year. They have to go get a tight end. We know they don't like their tight end room. We know they probably want to go get a tight end. So I think at rounds one through three, I think you're in a prime spot to take someone you like. If that's Kincaid at 21, great. If that's, you know, Payne Durham in round three, great. Uh, I think they do need to add at some point in this draft. I'm still torn on whether that's round one or not. I think I'm considering it more day two now. Yeah, I understand that for sure. Um, I, I, from a team resource standpoint, I generally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to more of that conversation on our next episode, which will be the edge rushers. So very excited about that one. Um, before we go, Miguel Tapia did uh, send us a super sticker. So appreciate that. He's been uh, yeah. a very faithful listener, uh, live listener throughout our uh, show over here. So I uh, mm-hmm. appreciate that. So excited to uh, dive into the pass rushers uh, later this week. I think this is, uh, again, 
in my opinion, the tight ends and the edge rushers are the strongest position groups in this draft mm-hmm. class. And so that's how we wanted to start off the uh, draft prospect classes. So very excited to uh, dive in with the pass rushers next time. So like I said, uh, if you are watching this, make sure like the sh- like the video, subscribe. If you are listening, please leave us a rating or review. We always do appreciate that. And we'll talk to you guys soon.